0: Just wow, man, I, I I just, I wanna say like, I've been getting a lot of criticism uh, about saying like, I only have this show so I can shill clothing that I drop from beautifulbastard.com and here's the main thing I wanna say. That could not be further from the truth. The goal of my content has always been to spread common sense news coverage, to start a conversation. But Just the fact that there are people in my audience that think so little of me, I just, I, I don't even, that feels nice, I don't even. <sighs> Like honestly, did someone drop you on your head? But also, here's what I'm gonna close on. I know my true fans, the majority of people that watch me know who I really am, that this isn't about building up hype for November 22nd at beautifulpastor.com, probably 6 a.m. Eastern time. So with that now said and done, let's get to work. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Hit that like button if you want me to punch you in the throat and let's just jump into it. And y'all, the first thing we're gonna talk about today, it's kind of light news, but also maybe not. And that is because we had Sean Mendes and Camila Cabello in the news because apparently they broke up, which uh, all offense intended is news that does not matter. If you're one of these people that's like, like, our love's not real because these people I don't know in real life, they broke up and I'm no, just stop it. You don't know who these people are outside of the image that they've projected to you on social media. You don't know them behind doors. It, like if that is the entire story, that is a story that does not matter. But uh, this has also sparked a larger conversation about speculating about private lives. Right? Because the way this went down is that the two posted matching statements on their Instagram stories saying we've decided to end our romantic relationship, but our love for one another as humans is stronger than ever. With the two reportedly having been together for two years, so there were a lot of big reactions. Right, some people reacting in that way of oh no, love's not real. Others saying that they weren't surprised because this was a fake relationship, like something put together by Hollywood. And then others, and this is kind of where the the main spotlight is, where all the conversation and debate's happening, a number of people saying they believe that Shawn Mendes is gay. Even spawning numerous viral TikToks like this one. What do you mean Camilla and her gay best friend broke up? What do you freaking mean? No, this is a lie. I, I don't believe it. They had such a good friendship going. He's gay. She loves and supports him anyways, and he's gay. And look at the vest that he's wearing. You know? And it's like, after two years, You're just going to call it quits on your gay best friend like that? I just don't. And I think it's fake. I don't think it's real. But this conversation, this theory, this debate, it's not a new one. This has been long-standing. In fact, it's something that Mendez himself has addressed in the past, telling The Guardian in 2020, there was a desperation for me to come out as being gay, which is such a ridiculous thing. I got upset because I know people who are gay who haven't come out, and I know the suffering they experience because of that. It's just completely ignorant and insensitive of people to be on that shit. And this wasn't like an outlier solo statement. He soon after that went on the Armchair Expert podcast and explained, it's such a tricky thing. You're right. You, you want to say like, I'm not gay, but it would be fine if I was gay but also like I have nothing wrong with being gay but I, I'm not you know like you don't really know how to respond to the situation yeah. everyone's calling me gay since I was 15 years old and I'm not gay and I'm like well what does that mean and I, I had these problems with the way my voice sounded I'm like how do I sit like I'm always forced to cross my legs and sit with like a position of this feminine type of style, and I really suffered with that But of course, with people being people, the internet being what it is, that did not stop the speculation, and now with this breakup, there's a whole new wave. But also, while this is happening, we're seeing a number of people trying to shut that down. People tweeting things out like, calling Shawn Mendes gay is not the flex y'all think it is. If he is gay, y'all are essentially trying to out him. And if he's not, you're going against everything we preach about sexuality and behavior not being synonymous. And if someone says they're straight, believe them until they say otherwise. Speculation and being outed are the exact things you didn't want to happen to you, stop. And so with all of that said, uh, I do want I'm gonna pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts on this? I, one, I will say, I'm not talking about Shawn Mendes being gay or not. I could not care less if he is. But rather, what are your thoughts regarding the, the conversation and debate around speculation, as well as some people saying that it's akin to outing? Yes, no, maybe so. Any and all thoughts, I'd love to hear from you in those comments down below. Then, in cool business-slash-creator-economy news, though it's a little weird because I end up being a part of this story, the all-in-one creator commerce platform, Fourth Wall, announced today that they have raised $17 million, allowing creators to sell absolutely amazing merch-run membership programs, just like a. Patreon, maybe you have a subscription only newsletter. it has got cameo-like features, tipping, and more, all with you as the creator being front and center. And speaking from a personal place, by using their tools, their tech, being open to their expertise, I've been able to 10X the revenue from my drops. It just overshadows all my other income sources now. And connected to this news, my mom's gonna be so happy, I finally have a real job. I started as one of the first creators to use the platform, fell in love with it, started getting involved with, uh, you know, what can can we do for creators moving forward? And today, I have officially been announced chief creator office. So one, to any creators or consumers out there that are like, oh my God, I would, I have that, like, this idea or that idea, feel free to message me. Like I have ideas and visions and goals, but I'm just one guy and uh, working with this team, I mean, it, it's so exciting to like everyone I work with, they're just the best at what they do. It, it, it's really made me feel like, oh, this is a collaboration. Two, to the creators out there that watch me, I don't care if you're small, you're large, whatever size there are solutions, Sign up. You have to submit an invite request because we want to make sure that we grow at a rate where we can actually focus on each individual creator. And finally three, especially if you are an engineer, we are hiring. I'm gonna I'm gonna put the, the link down below for the hiring as well. But part of what we're doing with this funding is we are doubling the engineering team. So yeah, I'm gonna keep it positive today, not shit on any of our competitors but it's it's a very it's a very exciting day. And then while I cannot show you the video in question I will link to it down below though I will also give you a trigger warning it is one of the most fucking horrifying things that I've seen in a long time. But it's a video that's gone absolutely viral on social media showing former NFL running back Zach Stacy beating the hell out of the mother of his five-month-old child, who, by the way, is just feet away as he was doing it. He's swinging at her, punching her, throwing her around. He throws her across the room, through a TV. The entire time she's just begging him to stop, he finally, thankfully, storms off. After the incident, she called police. She's also filed for a restraining order. She also reportedly had to go to the hospital for these injuries uh, as far as what kind of transpired, it appears that he does not live there, but rather he came over around 2 p.m. the day that this was filmed to see his son. And really, I think the only way that I can close this story is someone who just watched that video in horror and also as someone that grew up around domestic violence. In my opinion, Zach Stacy doesn't belong in prison. He belongs under the fucking prison. Fuck you, Zach Stacy. You're a fucking garbage human being and you belong where the garbage goes. Then, I guess because I'm not done raging and I wanna talk about more people that maybe should go underground, let's talk about 20-year-old Christopher Belter, who was just sentenced to New York for sexually assaulting four women in four separate incidents at his parents' home. Reportedly, Belter and all the victims were teens at the time of his attacks, which happened over an 18-month period starting in February of 2017. And what ended up happening here is that after initially being charged with more serious crimes, Belter eventually agreed to plead guilty to third-degree rape, attempted sexual abuse, and two misdemeanors. Right, and so with all of that, he was facing up to eight years in prison, but during sentencing this week, they Niagara County Court Judge Matthew J. Murphy III said that he had prayed and agonized over his decision, saying that, yes, there was, quote, great harm done and multiple crimes committed in this case, but then adding, quote, it seems to me that a sentence that involves incarceration or partial incarceration isn't appropriate, with him ultimately only ordering Belcher to register as a sex offender and serve eight years of probation. Fucking probation. And so understandably, his ruling reportedly shocked the courtroom, obviously disappointing the victims and their lawyers, with one even saying, my client threw up in the ladies' room from following the sentencing and adding, if Chris Belter was not a white defendant from a rich and influential family, he would surely have been sentenced to prison. The truth of what went on and what he did to his victims is far more egregious than the charges he pleaded to. Also, this is likely not the last you'll hear of this disgusting mess of a case, because according to reports, Belter's house was known as a party house. With authorities also accusing people close to Belter, like his mother, stepfather, and a family friend of helping to groom the victims with alcohol and marijuana. With them all pleading not guilty to their own set of charges, but we're also gonna have to just wait and see what happens next. And as far as those calling to remove move the judge, it's already gonna happen. And not because of his absolutely disgusting and pathetic sentencing here, but because he is about to turn 70 next month, which is New York's mandatory retirement age. And yeah, where I'll end the story is I'll just leave the reactions to you, because I feel like with some of these stories today, I'm just, I'm gonna get in trouble. But from that, I want to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's show, NordVPN, or more directly, nordvpn.com slash phil. With the holidays quickly approaching, I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you that most of those must-have tech toys, whether it's something for the kids or that new camera doorbell for your house, those potential security issues that come with them shouldn't keep you from your holiday joy. Take those worries away with NordVPN. With Nord, all of your internet data is protected behind a wall of next-generation encryption, and with their strict no-logs policy, they don't track, collect, or share your private data, and that helps you and your loved ones stay secure. And just one account lets you connect and secure up to six devices in any combination so you can protect yourself and a loved one or two. And so with that, you might wanna make NordVPN a part of your online security plan for extra safety. And if you do, head on over to nordvpn.com slash right now to get a huge discount on a two year plan plus one free additional month. It's nordvpn.com slash and it's all risk free with Nord's 30 day and money back guarantee. And then let's talk about one of the boogeyman words that we've been seeing lately, inflation. You know, understandably, we've been covering this a lot as far as how it affects the United States, but this might be a shock because we're incredibly self-involved but there are other countries out there that are also being impacted. The UK, for example, released government data yesterday showing that inflation in the UK is reportedly accelerated at its fastest rate in nearly a decade. With economists saying that the acceleration is mainly due to a surge in energy and fuel prices amid growing global demand. But some have also pointed to signs that higher costs caused by persistent bottlenecks in global supply chains are being passed on to consumers. And on top of all that, reports are saying that the UK is also feeling some of the fallout from Brexit, which adds to the cost of doing business with the European Union, its biggest trading partner. So you have new data that's higher than what analysts were predicting. News also likely to strengthen expectations for the Bank of England to become the first major bank to lift interest rates from pandemic lows to tackle rising prices. And all that adding to the fears of global inflation intensifying since we know it's not the only economy seeing price spikes right now. Now the hope and what many experts believe is that this trend will settle as COVID-19 recedes, but they're ultimately predictions. And like we've talked about with a lot of these inflation stories, a lot of the predictions have been wrong. And then, you know, a lot of people and maybe even yourself, you have concerns. Like what would happen if someone saw my search history? What would happen if that certain friend group chat got out, people got The transcript. Well, uh, I'm not gonna try and uh, put away your fears for that because a lot of that's probably valid. Uh, Instead, I wanna give you another fear. How thoughtful of you, Philip DeFranco. But uh, yeah, let's talk about Amazon. Because this morning, Wired published a bombshell report called Amazon's Dark Secret. It has failed to protect your data. And among the most headline grabbing claims of this article is that you had an anonymous former service representative saying that low level employees would regularly look up the purchases of celebrities like Kanye West and unnamed Avengers actors. And saying this became such a common invasion of privacy that workers even reportedly discovered one unnamed celebrity's dildo purchases. But reportedly, it's not even just celebrities. Like I, I hope you have not pissed off someone that works at Amazon because allegedly, people have looked up purchases of exes or even their current partners. with one former customer service manager saying, everybody, everybody did it, even though Amazon made it clear they weren't supposed to, which regarding Amazon, they have denied much of this, saying we strongly reject the notion that abuse of these privileges is common. However, it's reportedly not that hard to do this. And as of 2015, executives became aware that this sort of voyeurism was an issue. With Amazon's internal security systems reportedly being so bad and so lax that Gary Gagnon, who was once vice president of Amazon's information security team, telling Wired it was all put together with tape and bubble gum. With Wired adding that according to his description, it quote, seemed like everyone on the network had access to nearly everything, including customer information, and yet there was no insider threat program dedicated to preventing rogue employees from abusing their access while he was there. Also, outside of that, he said that he found other glaring security issues after he stepped into his role at the company. For example, saying in May of 2017, workers found that for two years, the names and American Express card numbers of up to 24 million customers had sat exposed on Amazon's internal network, and saying that while that flaw was later corrected, there was no actual way of knowing if someone actually looked through the information. But reportedly, that's because their data logs only stretch back 90 days. Also, in another concerning Incident accounts belonging to Chinese employees allegedly bypassed the company's customer service platform and changed emails of 36,000 customer profiles. With Wired noting that the move, quote, would have allowed attackers to take over customer accounts and use them for fraud. And keep in mind, like what we're talking about today, it's not all the accusations, not even all the top level accusations from the article. Of course, with that, I'll link to it down below. But in the meantime, I would love to know your thoughts on this. And then even though we're still waiting for a verdict regarding Kyle Rittenhouse, that does not mean there's not news happening. In fact, just today, the judge overseeing the murder trial banned journalists working for MSNBC from the courtroom. And as far as details, during a brief hearing this morning, Judge Bruce Schroeder said the Kenosha police reported yesterday that they noticed a car following the bus, carrying the jurors and pulled the driver over after he ran a red light. With a judge going on to say that the driver, who he identified as James Morrison, said he was a producer working with MSNBC. With Morrison allegedly saying that a person with the network in New York, who Schroeder identified as Irene Bayon, had instructed him to follow the jury bus. With the judge going on to say, the matter was under investigation and adding. I have instructed that no one from MSNBC news will be permitted in this building for the duration of this trial. Uh, This is a very serious matter and I don't know what the ultimate truth of it is, but absolutely it it would go without much thinking that someone who is following the jury bus, uh, that is a very, it's extremely Serious matter. And then a statement on Twitter today. The Kenosha Police Department confirmed that, quote, a person who was alleging to be affiliated with a national media outlet was briefly taken into custody and issued several traffic related citations. Police suspect this person was trying to photograph jurors. This incident is being investigated much further and added, there was no breach of security regarding the jury, nor were there any photographs obtained. This investigation remains active and open no further information. We also saw NBC issuing a statement to the media this afternoon, partially confirming reports but denying certain aspects, saying, last night, a freelancer received a traffic citation. Well, the traffic violation took place near the jury van, the freelancer never contacted or intended to contact the jurors during deliberations and never photographed or intended to photograph them. We regret the incident and will fully cooperate with the authorities on any investigation. Right and with this, as you'd expect, there have been multiple different reactions, some condemning MSNBC and accusing them of trying to intimidate the jury or dox the jury, others though defending the outlet saying we don't know what really happened yet and the judge acted preemptively. But yeah, for now we have to wait and see what comes from this investigation and obviously still wait to see what happens with this jury and a verdict. And then definitely the last thing that we should talk about today is Julius Jones because he just narrowly avoided being executed today. if you're unfamiliar with the situation, the the whole thing has been extremely controversial from the start. So let's talk about it. We have to go back to 1999 where Jones was convicted for murder that even up until today, he has sworn he did not actually commit. There, a man named Paul Howell was shot and killed in front of his sister and daughters while they were sitting in his SUV outside his parents' home in Edmond, Oklahoma, with a killer then getting away in Howell's SUV. And according to Howell's sister, Megan Toby, who provided the only eyewitness account of the event to police, the shooter was a black man whose face was covered by a red band and who wore a beanie covering all but an inch of his hair around his ears. And since then, Hal's family, who has repeatedly asserted that Jones, who was arrested three days after the shooting, is the murderer. And in fact, police later found the gun confirmed to have killed Hal in the attic space above Jones's bedroom closet, with it even being wrapped up in a red bandana. And so ultimately what we see is in 2002, Jones convicted and sentenced to death. However, with this case, you also have a lot of people saying, hey, the evidence around Jones's conviction does not add up. For one, Jones repeatedly had a nearly shaved head at the time of the incident, that seemingly not matching Toby's description. Though, some have argued that it might anyway. Two, Jones' family claims that he was at home eating dinner at the time of the shooting. However, none of them were able to actually testify in court, including Jones himself. And three, many believe that a man named Christopher Jordan actually killed Howell. And that, for a few reasons. The first being that Jordan seemed to more closely match Toby's description of the shooter. And at the very least, we know that Jordan was involved because Jordan actually claimed to be the getaway driver. And in fact, he testified against Jones in court as a state star witness in the case. And because of that, he only ended up serving 15 years in prison, ultimately being released back in 2014. However, three other people have publicly come out and said that Jordan privately told him that he killed Hal and framed Jones. This including a man by the name of Roderick Wesley who was housed in the same prison as Jordan. And in fact, last year, Wesley told reporters that Jordan admitted to the killing in 2009 saying, quote, my co-defendant is on death row behind a murder I committed. On top of that, Jones's attorneys have claimed that Jordan planted the gun in his closet to frame him, though a forensic test later found Jones' DNA on the bandana. And so with a case that has now spanned over two decades, naturally there's a lot of back and forth, lots of arguments, lots of counter arguments. However, most notably if Jones's family summing this up as a story about racial bias in the criminal justice system, right? Because for example, in addition to everything I just mentioned, Jones has claimed that the officer who first arrested him called him the N-word, dared him to run so that he could shoot Jones. And then in the trial itself, 11 of the 12 jurors were white with one also allegedly calling Jones the N-word and saying that he should be lynched outside the courthouse. And so with all of that, as well as some aspects we just don't have the time to get into, we've seen protest after protest, people lobbying for Jones's execution to be reversed. Including yesterday where we saw students in multiple high schools walking out of class to protest, those protests continuing and today, uh, people begging Governor Stitt to intervene and stop the execution, with a clemency petition even garnering 6.5 million signatures as of this morning. Also capturing the attention of multiple high-profile celebrities, including Steph Curry and Kim Kardashian, who has been very outspoken about this case, calling this the cold machinery of the death penalty in America. Meanwhile, you had Jones's attorney trying anything they could, like this morning, filing an emergency status quo injunction to stay the execution, given that an inmate executed last month convulsed after being administered a sedative. And ultimately, what we ended up seeing is that with less than four hours before Jones was set to die at the hands of the state, Stitt commuted the execution and saying in a statement, after prayerful consideration and reviewing materials presented by all sides of this case, I have determined to commute Julius Jones's sentence to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. And immediately you had protesters erupting in cheers. Jones's attorney also saying, Governor Stitt took an important step today towards restoring public faith in the criminal justice system by ensuring that Oklahoma does not execute an innocent man. However, on the other side of this, you have Oklahoma Attorney General John O'Connor saying that he is greatly disappointed in this commutation. This, even though he added that he recognizes Stitt is making what he believes is the right decision. Howell's family also saying they're taking comfort that Stitt's decision affirmed the guilt of Julius Jones. But also this story and the the conversation around Jones's conviction is not over. There's many now saying things like, we still need to get him out of prison. Thankful that his life was saved, but he is still innocent and should be released and reimbursed. And the good news for Jones and those that support him is he now has time for that to maybe happen. But ultimately that is where that story and today's show ends. Of course, whether it be this final story, the first one, anything in between, I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below. And to close it out, as always, my name is Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love your faces, and I'll see you next time.